When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We are supposed to be, by reputation, a nation of homeowners. So it's a big moment when you become one of them. It's becoming harder and harder to achieve, but it's still one of the great moments of life. It was a very new, modern, good-looking property. It was a feeling of great excitement that I was embarking on my future, really. For me, it was the start of proper adult life. Surveys done, mortgage sorted, you've moved in and rolled out the welcome mat. But what if things start to go wrong? What if, within months, you find yourself at the centre of the largest building safety scandal since the Grenfell Tower tragedy. It looks quite simply like a building site. The garden's in disarray. It's got skips and about seven or eight for sale signs up. It's an eyesore and I actually feel for the neighbours who have to look at it. Thankfully, you invested in a property that came with a 10-year repair guarantee backed by one of the biggest and most trusted global insurance companies. Surely that's got to help. It's been great business by Zurich, but you know, they've ruined our lives in the process. How can that be fair? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the new housing scandal. recording on my iPhone and I've got a dictaphone as well and hopefully my children won't come running in in the middle of this so we'll see. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Don't worry if they do honestly we can stop and start. I am Martina Lees, senior property writer for The Times and Sunday Times and for the past two years or so I've been investigating Britain's building safety scandal. Now tell me a bit about that because The Times is taking this very seriously. We have had a campaign on the building safety scandal, yes. It was first exposed by the Grenfell fire where 72 people died because defects in the building allowed the flames to spread so fast. Since then, we've learned that up to 700,000 people could still be living in dangerous flats and as many as 1.3 million flats could be unmortgageable for years. But one part of the question that hasn't been answered is why were so many flats signed off as safe when they clearly weren't? So tell me about this particular story. How did you first come across it? 
This is a story about one of the world's biggest insurers facing two new lawsuits alleging that it has committed fraud by signing off buildings as safe that weren't safe. They've settled one case like that already, and I found six other buildings with similarities. We also know that this insurer then went to sell off all his warranties to a small company that then went bust, dumping the liability onto the statutory safety net, the financial services compensation scheme. So why did this happen? So tell me about the case you've been looking at. What exactly has gone wrong? About a year and a bit ago, there was a ruling in the Court of Appeal about a block of flats in Manchester that was so unsafe that people haven't been allowed to live there since just after the Grenfell fire. That block had been insured for structural warranties by Zurich, one of the world's biggest insurers. They had sold on their book of warranties to a small offshore-owned company called East West Insurance which then went bust not long after this court case ruling. I got a few calls from people in the industry saying, you should look into this. It looks strange. Then a few months ago, I got a call from two lawyers who have been representing the leaseholders in that building. And they told me there were more cases like it. Martina's investigation has pinpointed a number of buildings all over the country that seem to be following the same disastrous trajectory as that block of flats in Manchester. So there are two new cases that are now being brought by leaseholders against Zurich and East West. One is the tallest tower in Wales called Meridian Quay, And the other is a building called the John Green Building in Bradford. Both have serious defects. In both cases, the leaseholders allege that Zurich had fraudulently signed off their flats as safe because they didn't inspect them or knew that they probably weren't inspected properly. Wow. I mean, Zurich is a global brand. It's one of the biggest insurance companies The allegation that they would have acted fraudulently and allowed people to move into fundamentally unsafe buildings is just shocking. Tell us how this whole scenario has come about. What was Zurich's role in these cases? When you buy a new home, whether it's a house or a flat, brand new from a developer, it will have a 10-year warranty, which means that if there's anything wrong with the property, you have some comeback and someone else will pay to fix it. Without a warranty like that, you can't get a mortgage. Legally, the system works in a way that a document that is called a covenant is issued by the warranty provider to say that they are going to issue this warranty. It is the legal trigger for you to complete on the purchase. So if you've said, I'm going to buy this flat off plan, you've paid a deposit and that note is issued, you become liable to complete. And if you don't, you lose your deposit. As part of this, they have to complete a series of eight inspections to check whether the properties are safe and they meet meet with building regulations. What has emerged at both of these buildings is that they probably weren't inspected. Wow. How would that process have been bypassed? Zurich has an in-house system that basically logged each inspection. It would only issue the cover note 
if all the inspections were done and any defects that were logged had been fixed. This court case from last year in Manchester unearthed that surveyors at Zurich had been manually overriding the system and they were issuing the cover notes manually. So they were basically making Word documents saying, we've inspected the buildings and we'll ensure it. But the system would not have automatically issued it. So it begs the question, why did they have to manually override their own system? Yeah. And what do you think has gone wrong here? Well, documents from that court case shows how Zurich had made redundant most of their surveyors. So back in 2008, Zurich announced that it was going to exit the new build warranty market. At the time, it was one of the biggest warranty providers in Britain. For over 130 years, we've provided relevant, secure insurance solutions for a changing world. Zurich, because change happens. We now know they had policies for about 94,000 flats. But at that time, they were making redundant most of their surveyors to the point that one surveyor was responsible for as many as 2,500 inspections. And it is not humanly possible to do that. Even more evidence of wrongdoing came to light during the court case relating to the high-rise block in Wales, the Meridian. There were emails sent by another company to Zurich saying, we have checked the site visitor log and find that Zurich had not been on site since October 2007. This was sent about five months after that date. This was at the same time they were issuing these cover notes, which meant the people buying those flats had a complete on them. So they were completely stuck? Yes. Within a few years, people started realising they are lots of things wrong with this building. It started with leaks, and then they discovered there were major issues with uh, fire safety. The building was built by Carillion, which had gone bust, so they had no comeback from there. Their only recourse to get it fixed was by going to the warranty provider, and they fought for six years to try and get a payout, and they could only finally agree the repairs to be paid just before East West went bust. But now they are bringing a case over the alleged fraud surrounding the covenants against Zurich to get a payout for the full value of their flats. Because their flats are worthless. They can't sell them. There's a loss between what it would have been worth if it was properly inspected and it had been safe and what it is worth now. Nothing. So far, we've heard a catalogue of failings from big blocks of flats in Manchester, Bradford and Wales. But this particular housing scandal spread much further. We spoke to Lydia and Rebecca, two leaseholders from a small new-build block of flats in Bournemouth, Snowdon Mount. For years now, they've been trying to get answers from Zurich and East West, the company they passed their policies on to, as their flats fell apart. My name's Lydia. I'm one of the 14 leaseholders of Snowdon Road, and I've been working in great detail and very hard on trying to understand the situation and try and improve things for both myself and the other leaseholders. If you were standing in front of the building now, can you just describe it for people so that they can get a sense of what it's like? The property, as you approach it, looks quite simply like a building site. Big security fences all around it, covered in scaffolding. It's covered in a protective covering 
to stop the rainwater coming in. It just looks derelict. It looks depressing. It's an eyesore. What did it used to be like? Oh, it used to be grand. It's a three-story block, purpose-built, very modern looking at the time. It was built in 2008. Lots of beautiful floor-to-ceiling windows, glass balcony, overlooks the gardens that run through the area with a little stream. You know, a really nice-looking block of new flats. It must have been such an exciting moment. It really was, yeah. And I mean, the insides of the flat was beautiful, everything integrated, lovely fluffy carpets, beautiful bathroom that I can remember really enjoying long baths in. So when did the problems arise? It wasn't actually that long. So as I lived in the property for a few months, I started noticing some really minor defects in my property. Just bad workmanship, to be honest, marks in the worktop. They fell under snags, really, that I could go back to the developer and say, look, this has clearly been damaged whilst you've been constructing. Can you replace X, Y, or Z? And did they? They did at that point, yeah. So little things like that, I just thought, this is a hassle, but perhaps this is what it's like when you buy property. Nothing's going to be perfect. But in terms of water ingress and the, the start of the bigger issues, within a year or so, I just noticed excess condensation in my property. It was quite hard to manage mopping up and making sure windows were open that I wasn't excessively bathing or I wasn't cooking too much and creating too much moisture in the property. It was a daily job to actually deal with that condensation. At that point, I raised to the developer, you know, is anyone else having problems with excess condensation? And they gave me responses like, well, it's always a lifestyle factor that causes condensation. It's down to the tenant's behaviour. So they fogged me off, essentially. And how serious did that get? Within my flat, it wasn't serious. But by the time 2013 came round, I was getting complaints from the two flats below me about water leaking into their property. And there were several occasions where... I had a plumber come round and investigate just to be on the safe side. But a year later, actually, the flat below me, flat six, was really seeing water coming in. And it was realised it was due to rainwater pooling on the terrace area outside of my bathroom. It wasn't draining and the water was pooling there and slowly dripping into the flat beneath me. And how serious was it for the flat beneath? Oh, it was horrendous for the flat beneath me. She obviously reported it to the managing agent and work got in motion to investigate and piecemeal repair and ultimately go after the warranty provider. But for her to be able to continue living there, she had to construct some amazingly inventive water diversion mechanism where she had plastic sheeting attached to her ceiling, funneling the water down and out through her window. Oh, wow. And she lived like that for years. How did she manage? Because that just sounds so disruptive. It was. It was. Ultimately, I think it was in 2018, in the middle of the night, her bedroom ceiling collapsed um, while she slept because the water damage had become so widespread that it compromised the ceiling structure. And shortly after that, she moved out, of course. One of the astonishing things is just how long you've all had to live like this. You know, how long running these problems are and how how long they've taken to be fixed and there still aren't really. Tell me what it was like living with these defects, living with the problems. I was living in and owning a, a property where these things were happening, incredibly stressful and worrying. And by 2014, we knew there were issues across the property. By 2016, we started to get invoiced unaffordable sums of money. I've put almost £60,000 into the property. You personally have had to pay that bill. 
almost, I think it's 58,000 something something. So 60,000. I mean, that's an extraordinary sum. It is. And for a property that cost me 145,000, it's a one bedroom flat. Um, Wow. How have you managed? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the question. And how am I managing now, really? For Lydia, the situation went from bad to worse. We'll hear more from her in just a moment. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Lydia had bought the leasehold on the flat of her dreams in Bournemouth. It cost £145,000, but pretty soon, the repair bill that she thought would be covered by a building warranty had racked up to more than a third of the value of the property. The issues have been going on for six years, and that £60,000 has actually been incurred in just the last three years. So an average of £20,000 has been required by me for the property on an annual basis. And, and that's in addition to a mortgage and everything else. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. Mortgage, rates, and all this going on while actually for the past year the property's not even been inhabitable. <laughs> The first invoice we got was £11,000 per leaseholder, and I was shocked. Wow. You know, I thought, this can't be right. And then that just increased. There was another £19,000 invoice, another £3,000 invoice, another £18,000 invoice. I just expect that every spare penny I have will go into the Snowden Road money pits. And, and I've resigned myself to continuing to live this frugal, strange existence where I question every purchase that I make from a cup of coffee to weighing up whether I can afford fresh meat or hair conditioner in my weekly shopping trolley. I mean, living with it and for such a long time, for you and your family, how has it been? 
It's been a living nightmare, and I don't say that lightly. I'm a strong person. I don't let things get to me, but this has been relentless. It has been the biggest, most horrific thing that has ever impacted my life because it's impacted it in so many ways. The money's one thing, but what I really can't live with is the disruption this has caused to the way that I plan to live my life. Until 2013, I was working in a fast-paced and demanding financial services sector on a really generous salary, and I chose to leave it because I felt financially secure, and I wanted to have a family and bring up children and work part-time and and have that part of my life. And the timing of the start of the Snowden Road issues was just devastating because a year after I made that salary sacrifice, the letters and the invoices started coming in. With the new financial burden that Lydia was under, she felt she had to delay her plan to start a family. But as the years dragged on and the bills just mounted, Lydia decided enough was enough. If I want to have a family, I need to get on and do it now. I was 36 and I had my first child. But my well-laid plans to work part-time and focus on my child's upbringing were sadly no longer feasible. I had to return to full-time work and send him off to nursery five days a week, which was absolutely heartbreaking. I I can imagine. I wasn't working five days a week to, to build a future for him. I was working to cover the costs that a global insurance firm are refusing to accept. I've missed out on so much time with my son as a direct result of Zurich and their aggressive claim rejection strategy. I'll admit I've been actually horrible, depressed, sad and a worried person for many years. You know, this has been going on for six years now. And I feel lucky that my, my partner, friends, family are still putting up with me. And I understand you've been through some trauma recently too on top of everything else yeah it feels like a run of run of bad luck recently we started trying to grow our family and you know I've had not one miscarriage but a second miscarriage recently and I'm so sorry it's a tricky one because you know of course I can't say that the stress of this situation has caused this but of course I've researched how much stress affects progesterone and increased risk of miscarriage but certainly feels that my inability to grow my family and move forward is being hampered by these property issues. At the time that I first miscarried, I was in the middle of a grand battle against a barrister, (laughs) little me against a barrister that had been appointed by our freeholder. And I spent hours and hours of research looking at the law, precedent cases, the wording of the lease, and I raised a case to the tribunal about the reasonableness of these charges. And it was intensely stressful. It was all-consuming, And it was an unhealthy pursuit and caused me to be excessively tired, anxious and ultimately lose a baby. And you know what? Over the months that followed, more defects were being uncovered. The financial bill was increasing. And I told myself, perhaps actually that was fate. You know, losing the babies was a good thing. What an awful situation to be in. How, How are you now? Bizarrely, I feel positive. I feel like... I've coped this far. I feel immensely grateful for my co-leaseholder, Rebecca, who has worked tirelessly. Like I've seen such tenacity and strength in her and we've now got a friendship for life. Well, good luck with it and, and let us know how it goes. You're welcome. It's been uh, good to share. I've been trying to coordinate and represent all 14 leaseholders 
in order for us to act as one and give us the best chance of success. But at times I found the weight of the responsibility completely overwhelming. That's Rebecca Goodson, the tenacious and dedicated friend that Lydia described. Rebecca has helped unify all 14 flat owners in the ongoing Snowden Mount saga. The entire building was full of black mould, you know, that horrible damp smell that oh. impregnates everything, like your clothes and furniture. And no yeah. one's been able to actually live in the building since last August. So we're all having to live elsewhere while paying two lots of housing costs. You know, not to mention the fact that no one has been able to sell or remortgage their properties for years. And how are the residents coping if they're sort of having to live outside and pay the costs as well? Most of us, this was our first step on the property ladder. One of the owners did two tours of Afghanistan to save for his deposit. One leaseholder, when the bills started coming through, had to have his property repossessed because he couldn't afford to take on any more debt to meet the bills. And another, who tragically lost her daughter to an undiagnosed genetic condition a month after giving birth, has had to delay IVF treatment because the never-ending cost of repairs. She could have had the chance to have been a mother again by now. Two separate leaseholders apportion the end of their relationships directly to the financial strain. In one case, it split up a young family. Lots of people have spoken to me personally about their new battles with anxiety and need for medication. One leaseholder, every time they heard running water, it would trigger panic attacks. And another plans their life around the weather forecast so that they could remain at home to empty the water collectors when it rained. For me personally, I've had to find almost £60,000. So I've taken out loans, I've sold my car and I've borrowed from my parents, which is something that I still struggle to come to terms with. Yeah, I can imagine. We tried to do the right thing by saving up and buying a home. We opted for one that had a new build guarantee from a recognised insurer, just in case things went wrong. So even if you accept that local building control failed to ensure that our building was safe, or that developers deliberately build unsafe buildings, which in itself is bad enough, but even when you have insurance to safeguard against those issues, it, it doesn't protect you. To Zurich, it's just numbers. It's been great business by Zurich, but you know they've ruined our lives in the process. Like how, how can that be fair? How can that be fair? Rebecca, Lydia and the other leaseholders of Snowden Mount got in touch with a law firm that had experience in this field. They'd taken on Zurich for exactly the same issues in other buildings around the country. I'm Martin Scott. I'm the head of construction at Walker Morris Solicitors in Leeds. Tell me about the case in Bournemouth in particular. How did you come across that? Well, like with all these cases, they are just absolutely tragic. You have properties that are wholly defective and potentially very unsafe. So your heart goes out to these people. There is a constant level of surprise here that the insurers have not responded to the claims, unacceptably in our view. And with this case, you have alleged fraud. How does it qualify as fraud and what do you think has gone wrong? The fraud position is very interesting because obviously it's an extremely high bar alleging fraud. What we're saying is that in the issue of these cover notes, Zurich represented that they had carried out a final inspection of the property and the, the inspection had proved acceptable. 
In the Zurich case, the standards applied were, according to their own documentation, higher than those that would be applied under the building regulations. So, in effect, a gold standard product. So, what we say on these cases is that a deceit has been committed because either they didn't inspect as they said they had, or they were entirely reckless in carrying out their duties, such that the declaration was false, that they had carried out a final inspection. Have you been able to establish if that inspection took place? In the original case, the new Lawrence House case, the finding of the judge was that the assertions made by the Zurich surveyors that they had inspected the premises on certain dates was just false. It was a lie. They hadn't. And therefore, he found that fraud had been committed in that case. So what are your best hopes for what happens next? You know, what hope is there for, for the people in Bournemouth? My hope is that by coming together, they will be able to present the financial services compensation scheme with a position that scheme will meet. In other words, these are the defects. These are the costs of putting them right. This is the bill. Please pay. For Martina Lease, senior property writer at the Sunday Times, the case in Bournemouth is just one example of a much bigger problem across the country. There is the wider building safety scandal, which involves about a quarter of high-rise buildings. The ones that have Zurich warranties, well, the numbers would be 94,000 properties that they have issued warranties on in the time where they didn't have enough surveyors to do it. And if a quarter of those are unsafe, like a quarter of high-rise buildings, the same ratio, it means that Zurich would be facing a liability of about a billion pounds if they had to pay out the full value of those flats. Wow. So it's huge. That just seems so unfair, given they've done nothing wrong. The really big scandal in all of this is that the people responsible for building these buildings, the contractors, the manufacturers, the developers have gotten away with it. And the people left with the bills are the leaseholders. They are the only innocent people in this. Do you get any sense that the government is looking into this issue, that they're taking it seriously? The government has set aside about £5 billion in taxpayers' money to fix flammable materials on tall buildings. But there is no help from the taxpayer for leaseholders in smaller buildings. And the funding also doesn't cover anyone with other kinds of fire defects. So if your building is tall and it's got bad cladding on, you can get some help. But half the bill is typically for stuff that's not cladding or insulation related. It's other things that would have breached building regulations at the time. Mm. And for that, you've got to pay, not the government and not the developer. Some of the big developers have set aside some money to fix buildings, but it's a very small amount compared to their profits. And the other thing that's happening is that the government is going to bring in a new tax on developers from next year. That will bring in about £2 billion over a decade. But that's still a very small amount compared to their profits. Just five of the biggest developers alone have made £10 billion in profits just since the Grenfell fire. That's eye-watering.
It is. It's also very unfair. Yeah. And for you, you've been talking to the people who've been affected by this for a while and following their story. What are your best hopes for for what happens to them next? What I want to see is that the law is changed to make it easier to go after developers so that the people who are responsible for this are forced to foot the bill and that manufacturers of these materials who sold it as safe, knowing it wasn't safe, are made to pay for it. These are allegations we only learned from the Grenfell Inquiry over the last few months. How was this allowed to happen? It shouldn't have been allowed. And certainly now, the innocent should not be having to pay the price for the faults of the guilty. And, and what really needs to be done to prevent cases like this happening again in the future? Is it more regulation? Is it that certain institutions who should be carrying out that regulation aren't functioning well enough? Where are the holes that need to be plugged? I think one thing that needs to change is that at the moment there's a six-year time limit for suing developers. And the idea is that you should be able to rely on your warranty, which is meant to be for 10 years, if you can't go after the developer. But if your warranty is worth nothing, then surely we should change the law to make the liability for developers much longer. I also think that there should be more of a legal comeback to inspectors, because you cannot sue a building's inspector for passing a building and the building's regulations are safe if it subsequently emerged that it wasn't safe. There should be a way to go after an inspector if you end up buying a flat that isn't safe and they had signed it off. It's these huge corporate entities that make so much money by selling homes that often are then not safe and the people left footing the bill are the people that are innocent and that cannot be right. And I won't stop writing about this until we fix that. We were given a statement on behalf of Zurich Insurance. They say, the allegations about how Zurich ran this business are simply not true and mischaracterise our role. Insurance cover note inspections were made for the sole purpose of deciding whether to insure a building. These are not the same as full statutory inspections to assess compliance with building regulations. To say these insurance inspections were fraudulent is wrong. In virtually all cases where Zurich insured a building, the statutory inspections were carried out by a local authority or another authorised provider. Zurich agreed in 2016 to sell its building guarantee policies to East-West, which was backed by a multi-billion dollar insurance group and institutional investors. The sale was approved by the Irish High Court and the UK and Irish regulators. East-West, which has since gone bust, issued a statement saying, while we cannot comment on ongoing legal matters, we can confirm that the administrators are working closely with the Financial Services Compensation Scheme and payments for valid insurance policy claims continue to be made. Remedial works on insured properties have been and will continue to be carried out as necessary. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, senior property writer for The Times and The Sunday Times, Martina Lees, Martin Scott from the Walker Morris Law Firm in Leeds, 
Lydia Turnbull and Rebecca Goodson, two of the long-suffering leaseholders of the Snowden Mount Apartments in Bournemouth. You can read more of Martina's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Oliver Adamson, with production support from Will Rowe. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If there's a story that you'd like us to look into, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do get in touch. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.